Allergy season is just around the corner, and Brio, the innovative air purifier, can help. Brio quickly removes common allergens, including pollen and pet dander, and deep cleans without filter clogging, so it's more effective than HEPA. Brio's long-life filters save you money, too. Breathe easy this spring with Brio, the advanced air purifier that's ideal for every room in your home. And get 15% off Brio using code IHEART at BrioAirPurifier.com. That's code IHEART at B-R-I-O AirPurifier.com. This podcast may discuss topics graphic in nature and possibly triggering to survivors. We value the safety and well-being of all of our listeners. So please practice personal discretion. Now, enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Paige. And I'm Natalie. We're the hosts of the Murder Diaries podcast. We bonded over tacos and true crime after we matched on Bumble BFF. You know, like any normal millennial using an app to meet new friends. Every Thursday, we upload a new episode. In each episode of the Murder Diaries, we tell true crime one story at a time. One week, it's my turn. And the next week, it's mine. You still think it's in my head. I'm walking with the dead. If you like what you're about to hear from us today, you need to check out our Patreon. It's alive and ready with bonus episodes. Our patrons get bonus episodes every month and early releases. And once we get 500 patrons, we'll be releasing two bonus episodes every month. Speaking of our patrons, we want to send a great thank you to our new patrons, James, Jillian, Tina, Sila, Tara, and Angelina. If you want to be someone that gets a shout out, be sure to sign up. Our link is in the show notes. Thank you to all our new patrons. Today, we're going back to April 2015. The last time anyone had seen 22-year-old Alma Del Real, she was getting into her friend's truck after a night out. Family and friends started to worry after she didn't show up to work for two days. From there, it was a difficult time for investigators figuring out what happened to her. Luckily, a second look at cell phone records would lead them to her. This is her story. Alma Angelica Del Real was born October 15, 1992 in Mexico. I was unable to find a resource that pinpointed exactly where in Mexico she was born, but we do know that she was born there. She was known as, quote, the bright light in her family. When she was just 10 years old, she moved to the U.S., Indiana to be more specific, and she ended up living with her grandparents there. Her aunt Susanna also had a large part in Alma's upbringing once she had moved to Indiana. Her aunt remembers, quote, she was just like the younger sister in the house. And she goes on to describe Alma as independent and outgoing. Alma was also known as reliable. Her friend Myra says that Alma, quote, had a heart that was made out of gold. She was just always there. She would always tell me I'm only a call away. I'm only a text away. Alma always made time for her friends and family, but she was also very career-oriented and ambitious. Myra says again of her friend Alma that she was, quote, hungry to be more than she was. By the age of 15, Alma had her first after-school job and was helping her family out financially. By 22, Alma had a job at Wells Fargo Bank as a teller. What Alma really dreamed about being, though, was an actress. She was also really into makeup and dreamed of being a makeup artist in the industry as well. Alma planned on making these dreams happen by saving money at her job as a teller for Wells Fargo. That's what takes us to April of 2015. On April 14th, 2015, a Tuesday, Alma was reported missing to South Bend, Indiana police by her aunt, Susanna. What prompted Susanna to report her missing is that Alma had missed two days of work with no word. 
This wasn't like Alma at all. She was reliable, like I said, and ambitious. She'd actually even just received a promotion. We don't know exactly what that promotion was, but clearly Alma was doing really well in her career as a teller with Wells Fargo. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospa's hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. The last time that Susanna had seen her was April 11th of 2015. Alma had called her aunt Susanna to meet her on her work break for some coffee. Susanna went ahead and made the pair some coffee and she brought it to Alma at work so that they can enjoy it together. That's the last time her aunt saw her. After Alma hadn't shown up for work on Monday the 13th or Tuesday the 14th, Susanna decided, quote, something has to be completely off. Alma's friend and colleague was also worried. She had tried to get a hold of Alma when she hadn't shown to work, but got no response. And she'd even left her some voicemails. This was extremely concerning to Myra because, quote, it wasn't like her. She would at least call or text me back, end quote. Myra goes on to say that actually everyone at work was worried. It didn't help the growing worries of Alma's inner circle that all of her social media accounts have been quiet since Saturday evening. She hadn't posted on Facebook, Snapchat. She hadn't even messaged or commented anyone. Nothing. Needless to say, this was not normal for Alma either. At just 22 years old, she was typically extremely active on all of her social media accounts. What else wasn't sitting right was that Alma's friend Crystal and she had long planned to attend a cosmetology conference together just two hours away in Chicago. However, when Crystal arrived to pick her up around 9.30 on that Sunday so that they could drive to Chicago together, Alma was nowhere to be found. They had been planning this day trip to the conference for weeks. According to Detective Jennifer Goebel, Crystal rang the doorbell and knocked on every window that she could. When she didn't get a response, she went ahead to the conference herself, not knowing what was going on with Alma or why she was a no-show. Once she was assigned to the case, Detective Goebel reminds listeners in her interview for Paula Zahn that... She was feeling that often in cases like this where adults like Alma go missing, it's a case where a person wanted to be gone or went no contact for a few days for various personal reasons. Quote, we get missing persons reports quite often. A lot of times it's someone wanting to kind of disappear or wanting to get away from their problems. They just kind of lay low a couple of days and then show back up. This case, of course, did have elements that caused a lot of worry to her loved ones, but Detective Goebel had experience that gave her hope Alma would be just like those other cases of going no contact and then returning home. The door to Alma's house was unlocked and, quote, everything looked copacetic inside. What was missing was her phone and her purse. What's interesting about her purse being missing, though, is that what was left behind were her ID cards and bank cards. Detective Goebel says, quote, it was very, very confusing to figure out where the foul play was if there was any at the time. 
So investigators started by working backwards. They determined that the last time Alma was seen alive was earlier Sunday, April 12th in the early morning hours. She had been enjoying a night out the night of Saturday into Sunday. They went to a bar called Brothers, which is a popular bar and grill chain. This particular location was actually right near the University of Notre Dame, right there in South Bend, where Alma was from. After a while, the group headed three miles down the road to Studio Roomba 305. Studio Roomba was a bar and Latin dance club. On Friday and Saturday night, they play a Latin dance mix from 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. This includes cumbia, bachata, reggaeton, salsa, merengue, and other regional Mexicana music. That's exactly what Alma and her friends did that night. They danced the night away and had a type of fun that only those in their early 20s know how to have and the type of fun that lives forever in your memories once you're older. Once the night had ended, Alma's friend Alberto dropped her off. This was around 3.15 in the morning. So the theory of law enforcement began that Alberto was the last person to see Alma alive. Just six hours after Alberto dropped her off is when Crystal would arrive to pick her up for the conference with no response. Because he was the last person to see Alma alive, Detective Goebel reflected on Alberto's story. Alberto said that when he dropped off Alma, she declined his offer that he gave her to walk her all the way to the door. After that, he drove away and he never saw her physically enter her home. He says that he drove straight home and went to bed. On that ride home, though, Alberto says that Alma tried to FaceTime him about five minutes after he'd left. He claims that he ignored this FaceTime because he was tired and he thought maybe she was just going to try and convince him to come back, pick her up, and that they could go get something to eat or something like that. And he was tired and he wanted no part of that. Just straight home and to bed. Investigators looked into his story, though, right? They had to confirm that he was telling the truth. Yes. And guess what? For the most part, Alberto's story checked out. His phone records initially mirrored what he had told investigators. More specifically, his phone pinged right by his house, inferring that he did go home that night, like he said. Detective Goebel says, quote, there was no hink in his story, end quote. With his story checking out, obviously investigators question if maybe at the moment she FaceTimed him, she was in some sort of trouble. This brought up two disconcerting possibilities for law enforcement as to what could have happened. Was there someone that could have attacked her as she was entering the home? Did someone lay in wait and attack her inside the home after she got in? Alma was a true beauty, and witnesses from that night recall her having fun on the dance floor at Studio Roomba with a lot of admiring spectators wanting to get to know her. After speaking with the owners and other patrons from that night, no one in particular was ever zeroed in on that was said to have had any malintent for Alma or threatened her in any way at Brothers or Roomba. What about her credit cards? Did they show that she spent money anywhere else that night or maybe someone else was using them when she went missing? I know that she had bank cards left behind, but you never know. All of Alma's bank cards were for sure looked into and none of them had been used since two days before she'd gone missing. After that, that's when investigators decide to turn to her social media accounts. They took a serious look at all of her chats and interactions. Detective Goebel secured search warrants for every account that she could. Quote, I can't tell you the number of search warrants that I wrote for Snapchat, Facebook, Kick, WhatsApp, end quote. She goes on to say, quote, we ended up not finding anything. It really sounds like law enforcement hit dead end after dead end. In every direction. That's exactly why they started looking at this case from the lens of a random act of foul play. Of course, this conclusion devastated her family, whose hearts were breaking more and more with every day Alma was still missing. Their broken hearts didn't stop them from mobilizing, though. 
Alma's family and friends built a campaign to bring awareness to her missing status. They were backed with a $5,000 reward for info leading to Alma being found. There were marches and organized searches and a lot of media coverage. This led to what Paula Zahn calls the first important lead of the investigation. It ended up being a red herring, though. Someone called in saying that they'd overheard a group of men in a local Kmart talking about Alma being abducted. The men were discussing that Alma had been abducted and sold into a trafficking ring in Ohio. The caller even claimed that they had seen Alma with their own eyes. Even though it ended up being a red herring, it's important to Alma's case because it brought in the FBI. It made Alma's case a trafficking case, not only a missing persons case. Again, though, this tip didn't lead them to Alma, and investigators were back at the beginning. Detective Goebel says she'd, quote, lie awake in bed at night just trying to think, what am I missing here? I had nothing, no physical evidence, not even circumstantial evidence. I had exhausted every single possible lead I had and spoke to every single possible person that had some sort of relationship with Alma. Everything was just hitting a dead end, end quote. With other investigators feeling the same, they circle back to Alberto. He had been acting like a friend should, supporting the family and the searches and things of that nature. And it's important to note that Alma's friends and family knew him too. He was a really close friend of hers. However, we can't forget the fact that he was the last person to see her alive. So it was important for investigators to keep looking at him. Detective Goebel brought him back in multiple times and says, quote, he was very cooperative. He also was sticking to his story. The last time he saw her was as he drove off at 3.15 in the morning when he dropped her off. Finally, though, an inconsistency popped up. Remember, Alberto was always said he ignored the FaceTime call because he thought Alma was going to try and convince him to come back and get her and go get something to eat. But he was too tired for that. Well, during one round of questioning, though, he says he missed the call because his radio was up and he didn't hear or notice it. Detective Goebel says this was a big deal because, quote, it's the only thing in his story that changed. It just seemed odd, end quote. It's safe to say that at this point, Detective Goebel was questioning the integrity of Alberto's alibi. So she asks him to take a polygraph, and he did. During that polygraph, investigators also took time to get permission to re-examine his phone. Alberto on video can be seen giving them permission to do so. Okay, so they're searching his phone, but my mind keeps going back to that polygraph. What was the outcome? What were the results of that polygraph? This may not come as a shock at this point, but the polygraph came back with results indicating deception. Right, totally not shocking in hindsight. But that makes me wonder what investigators did with those results. Well, as you can imagine, they moved him straight from the witness category to the suspect category. Now back to the phone, though. What happened with that? So yeah, the South Bend PD took a deeper, more thorough look at the GPS data from Alberto's phone on the night that Alma went missing. Wouldn't you know that the GPS data did not agree or confirm Alberto's story. Instead, it showed that Alberto was at Alma's house until 5.35 in the morning, more than two hours after his story has him leaving, which again was 3.15 a.m. Okay, that's definitely off, but does it mean he did anything? That's totally a fair question. What got investigators questioning Alberto's innocence even more, though, was the fact that his GPS data then shows him going for quite a drive, about 40 miles to be exact, out into the rural countryside of Culver, Indiana. His phone pinged him in between two rural cell towers, clocking him there for about an hour, according to South Bend PD Sergeant Chad Gobin. Needless to say, this GPS data created an entirely new timeline. A new timeline and more suspicion. 
it was basically game over for Alberto. He was the prime suspect now. When Paula Zahn asked FBI Special Agent Weber if there was any way that he could have been innocent at this point, he answers, quote, at that point, no, we knew he was lying to us, end quote. Detective Goebel, well, she says it was the, quote, aha moment. Investigators bring him back in and they presented this new GPS data to Alberto. At first, he holds his innocence, quote, I'm telling you, I'm telling you the honest truth. The FBI special agent calls him out saying, quote, the phone can't lie. It can't lie. Who can lie? People can. Alberto challenges the FBI to, quote, prove it, prove, prove it that I did something, end quote. The FBI accepts this challenge, quote, yes, I have to. Sergeant Gobin explains that this response was a shock type response. Alberto was basically in fight, flight, or freeze, if you will. And this only indicated to investigators more that they had their guy. They just needed a confession. After more questions and explanation of how the GPS data was deeply incriminating to him, Alberto got, quote, emotional. FBI Special Agent Weber says that Alberto teared up and asked everyone else to leave the room. It took several hours, but they finally got a new story from Alberto trying to explain away what happened that night. He puts all the blame on his victim and says that she was involved with the cartel, owing a lot of money. And when they got home from the club that night, there were gang members waiting for them and they wanted their money or something more sinister was about to happen. Alberto says that he was helpless at being able to help Alma and he was forced to leave on foot, leaving Alma with the gang members who then took her away. Finally, trying to keep his innocence, he says that he then got his truck in the morning and that he was too scared that he would become a target too if he told the police what happened. Special Agent Weber says he didn't buy a thing. Quote, everything he said should have started with once upon a time. Alberto went on to tell several variations of this account. Special Agent Weber decided it was time for him to step out of the interrogation room and collaborate with his colleagues. The commander of the homicide unit said, let's just ask him if he can take you to where Alma is. So that's what Weber did, and it worked. Alberto agreed. Detective Goebel says, quote, her jaw dropped, end quote. Alberto and Special Agent Weber end up taking the 40-mile drive to that same countryside where his GPS showed him going that night. The commander and others secretly followed behind. All the while, Agent Weber says that he's wondering if this is, quote, a wild goose chase or if Alberto was really leaning him to Alma's body. Once they get there, the team starts to search the area. The commander recalls that at first he didn't smell the unforgettable scent of death. But then the wind picked up and he knew Alma was near. There, just 20 or 30 yards from the commander, was Alma's body face down in a marshy terrain. He said, quote, In all my years, it was probably one of the top two worst bodies I had ever seen. Alma's body was unfortunately decomposed and, quote, unidentifiable. Detective Goebel says, quote, it was hard to look at. Rest assured, they're not saying these statements to be crass or morbid, but because of how horrifically this beautiful 22-year-old had been treated, left to the elements like nothing. As her aunt Susanna puts it, quote, she had been thrown away like a piece of trash, end quote. The crime scene was quickly sealed off and Alberto was there left crying in the car like anyone should care. Special Agent Weber says that there were tears of remorse and because he knew what he was about to face. Alberto Cruz was then arrested and charged with Alma's murder. Alma's aunt reminds us that she never suspected him because she, quote, actually met with him and he basically looked at me in the eye and said, we're going to find Alma. I promise that we're going to find Alma. 
Alberto ended up pleading not guilty. During the trial, his story changed yet again. Basically, the defense was claiming that after consensual intercourse, a fight ensued, that Alma ended up hitting her head and Alberto panicked after he realized that she was most likely deceased. Detective Sergeant Brian Cook says that, quote, that story made absolutely no sense to me, end quote. Honestly, it doesn't make any sense to me either. Same here. I don't remember you mentioning any injuries to Alma's head. That's because there weren't. Here's the theory that evidence backs up, as well as prosecutor Chris Frank. Alberto drops Alma off and sexually assaulted her at her house. Then he murdered her to keep her quiet. Prosecutor Frank goes on to say that it was most likely a case of, quote, if I can't have her, nobody can have her. The investigators echo this, saying that they believe that he had an obsession with Alma that had been growing in an unhealthy way for a while. Special Agent Weber says, quote, he was infatuated with her, end quote, going on to say that, quote, she never paid any attention to him, end quote. Basically, Alberto wanted Alma and she didn't want him. After less than 90 minutes of deliberations, the jury found Alberto Cruz guilty on May 19th, 2016. He was then sentenced to 60 years in prison. Alma's aunt reminds us about what it's been like since Alma's murder. Quote, that pain, even though it has been so many years already, is a pain that is going to never be forgotten. And that's where we'll leave this episode. Until our next episode, you know where to find us. At the Murder Diaries pod on TikTok and Instagram, at the Murder Diaries podcast.com. And you can leave us case suggestions at the Murder Diaries pod request at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, go ahead and give us five stars. It helps us keep the good content flowing. And until then, stay safe. Bye. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.